Hello, it's Kevin Kozlowski, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. So glad you are along, Royals fans, for yet another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. This is the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. With myself, Davo, these are the things that only the players can tell you, and I'm so glad we are able to bring them to you and share them with you on Clubhouse Conversation. Appreciate you tuning in. Tell a friend. You can subscribe on iTunes. Get them all downloaded directly into your iTunes without doing anything. You can find us, of course, on the website, clubhouseconversation.com, uh, Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, to stay up to date with the latest Royals news and the latest interviews we do. We have a Facebook as well, Clubhouse Conversation. So however you find us, we're glad to have you here. And today, Kevin Kozlowski joins us, a guy who the Royals drafted originally back in 1984 in the 20th round, yet another Art Stewart selection. A guy that Art Stewart saw play as a sophomore in high school, Kevin Kozlowski, who did make it up to KC from 1992 to 1994. So about 11 years there in the Royal system for Kozlowski from the time he was drafted through the times he played in Kansas City. A total of 72 games Kozlowski played in here in KC. Had some really big hits. First major league home run off Nolan Ryan. Got the game-winning hit in George Brett's final home game against Cleveland. Had a, a game-winning home run at Oakland one night in September of 93. You go on and on, Kaz definitely made the most of his chances. Also went on to appear at the Major League level with the Milwaukee Brewers as well in 1996. But we'll talk all about Kevin Kozlowski, who was known as a great defensive outfielder, consistently had the premier outfield assist numbers, if you go through his, his career from the minor leagues on up. A guy who could make any catch, a guy who just played as hard as you could. The old school guy who played, quote unquote, balls to the wall when it came to baseball. Kevin Kozlowski joins us on Clubhouse Conversation from his home up in Illinois. Kevin, first of all, thanks so much for all your time. And second of all, how's everything going with you? Oh, real well, Dave. Uh, thanks for calling. Like I said, it's been a while since we spoke. A lot's happened in 10 years, particularly with the Royals. And in my life, so I'm looking forward to catching up uh, with you today. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's going on these days? So, what you know, 2016, you're up in Illinois. Tell us what's going on in your life. Well, I've, uh, I'm an independent investment advisor with uh, Berthel Fisher. They're a broker dealer out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I've been with them for oh about eight years now. Enjoy my career um, as an independent advisor. It allows me some freedom to go to my kids' activities and coach some baseball in the summertime. So, I'm about as connected as baseball, two baseballs has ever ever been. Yeah, well, I, I read an article uh, from October of 2014 where you said you'd turned into a big Royals fan again. You've been watching more KC baseball during that October than the last 20 years. Now, obviously, they lost the heartbreaker in Game 7 of that year, but you know, how about last year? Did you enjoy watching the Royals this past October quite a bit? Oh, man, we had a ball. Yeah, I was you know, embarrassed to admit that, but hey, I was just being honest. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we really got on the bandwagon. And take my whole my whole family. We had an opportunity to go out to uh, catch a series uh, in September last year, and it's the first time my family had ever got to visit Kauffman Stadium. And we had a, just a great, great experience there. Um, got to see a few old buddies and um, brought back a lot of nice memories. Was that your first time back at the K since you'd left? No, but it had been, I was trying to think, it would probably been 15 years wow. since we'd been there. Um Major League Baseball Alumni Association had a uh, an event there on a Friday night or Saturday night, I believe, in September, uh, which was open to uh, just former Major League players. I think about 35 or 40 guys showed up there. And then uh, on Sunday, we stayed at the game and uh, hung out with Brian McRae, and he gave the tour of the, the stadium. So, it's, you know, obviously it's changed a lot since I've been there. And uh, had a chance to go see the Hall of Fame and take my kids in there and you know, of course, George Brett's uh, got several uh, pretty impressive uh, uh, displays in there, and one was of his final game in Kansas City. 
which I was a part of, and you know, we're standing looking at it, and I saw the lineup card, and my kids were looking at it, and I said, hey, look who's, look who's leading off. And they all three kind of leaned in at the same time and turned around and said, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was a pretty neat experience to share with them. Um, they had a ball, so we'll look forward to coming back again, hopefully, this summer. I love that they act surprised. You played, Dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow. It was neat. neat. Neat to share that with them, though. Yeah, so so as an outfielder then, then you were a great defender and threw your body around, I guess for lack of better term, balls to the wall. How do you like seeing defenders out there like uh, like Alex Gordon out there and Lorenzo Cain? Oh, man, I love the way they play. The, you know, the whole team plays hard, but those guys in the outfield, man, they, they get after it, and, you know, they're diving making plays and uh it's just exciting baseball to watch i mean all all around just all aspects of the way the royals play the game i think a lot of people really admire that um and you know you don't have to have a you know four three or four guys you know waiting on hitting home runs you got a team like that that can run and execute just moving runners so it's kind of old school baseball but man it's pretty effective the way they play it Absolutely. Well, we'll come back and talk lots more about the Royals here uh, in just a little bit. But let's go back to your youth then. So let's go back to growing up in Illinois, Maroa Forsyth High School. You graduated back in 84. So where exactly, it's, it's pronounced Maroa, right? Where's that at exactly? Yep, right in the middle of the state. Um, it's just about 15 minutes north of Decatur. My mother uh, still lives in the home I grew up in. She's 91, still does laundry, still makes potato salad. She's there. Um, I grew up about a a block from the ballpark I grew up playing at. And uh, I think it was three years ago I got a call that they, the councilman of Moroa had made a decision to name that ballpark after me. So there's a Kevin Kozlowski Royal sign hanging in left field there. So that was a big thrill. Oh. Um, yeah, Mar- Moroa is a very small farm community, probably 1,200 people. Um, partnered up with Forsyth, which is a little bit south of Moroa. Uh, the two communities make up the school of approximately maybe 350 kids, so a small school, uh, small community, uh, but a great place to grow up. Yeah, were you so growing up, were you more of a, a Sox, Cubs fan, Twins? Who was your team? Cardinals. Cardinals? Oh, I yeah. didn't, even, I didn't yeah. even consider so, right. that. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of the dividing line here. So it's two hours from St. Louis, about three to downtown Chicago. Um, there are more Cub fans now than there were two years ago, kind of similar <laughs> to Royals fans. Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, but it's a it's a pretty pretty divided community, uh, Cubs and Cardinals. So it it gets it's always pretty fun in the summertime when you know that rivalry is heating up. Yeah. Well, so you graduated in 1984. You lettered in baseball, football, and basketball. So all conference four years in baseball, all conference two years in football, and the Royals eventually drafted you in the 20th round then that June. Before we talk about that, though, so were the Royals the team that scouted you the heaviest, and uh, were you expecting them to take you in the draft? Um, I didn't know if they'd pick me, but uh, definitely they were the team that had the most interest. Art Stewart saw me play my sophomore year. Um, hit a home run on the inside the park home run in the state tournament and, and ran a pretty impressive time around the bases. And uh, he followed me the last two years of my career. And, um, you know, he would just say, hey, we've got Tom Poquette, we've got Freddie Potak. You know, those guys aren't the biggest guys in the world, but, you know, they're players and you're that type of player. So he obviously believed in me. Um, I was pretty small in stature, but they, they picked me. And, um you know, that's what I always wanted to do. I I'd had a uh, an opportunity to go to Indiana State and play there, had a scholarship to go play, but I decided to sign with the Royals in uh, in June after they drafted me. Was Indiana State for baseball, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay, yep. wow. So draft day itself then, you know, when the phone rings, how'd you find out the news and what was that like? You know, um, I think I got a telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being serious? I think so. You know, I really can't remember, but I think I got like this telegraph. It was weird. And uh, you know why I say that? Yeah, it was a Union Pacific telegraph that was delivered to me that said the Royals had selected me. And I, I've got it framed now that I'm, yeah, that's how I found out. So, I mean, talk about, yeah, that was it, man. So they, they picked me, and I took a couple, maybe two or three days to decide you know, am I going to go to college? Am I going to sign with the Royals? And I got up one morning, and I told Art I'd call him at 9 o'clock and 8 o'clock. I didn't know. And I sat down for breakfast with Mom and Dad and uh, over a bowl of cereal, just opened the paper, and I saw the standings. And I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> That's how I made my decision, probably over a bowl of Wheaties and the Decatur Herald Review. 
I love the fact that it was a, a telegraph. Was there like the Pony Express that brought it over to? I don't know. I, I can't remember, <laughs> but I think some guy delivered it. Yeah, I've actually got a frame now somewhere in my house that it's that yeah. And I'm not making that up. What a cool story. Well, so you signed with the Royals. You spent 84 then as a 17-year-old. So you're low A Eugene in the Northwest League. So, I mean, how homesick were you as a 17-year-old from Illinois out in Oregon? Um, I was pretty homesick, you know, particularly when you're hitting about a buck 90. You get real homesick. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it actually was a pretty quick summer. Um, But, man, we were way overmatched. We had the Royals draft a lot of high school kids that year. And it's basically a college league. We won 19 or 20 games out of 70, um, so it was a long summer in terms of you know wins and losses. But um, you know, just kind of really you know baptized by fire there into all that. And then the next year, um, they actually had a rookie team, so I started up, kind of went backwards the second year, but was playing against kids, you know, players more more my age. Yeah, well, yeah, there was one other 17-year-old guy with you on that first team. I actually interviewed him about a month ago. Do you remember a young Luis De Los Santos? Oh, yeah. Yep, Luis. He could hit, man. Catch it, hit it, throw it. Yeah, really nice player. Yeah, so he was on that team. Then, like You mentioned 85 then, the GCL. Now, you played in 33 games. Was that just a a short-season league, or were you hurt that year in 85? Uh, In 85, my mom and dad were driving down to see me play. In the summertime, I'm on first base. Pitcher goes to pick me off, and I, I rolled my ankle on first base and, and missed about a month. Oh. And, yeah, so that was really, uh, you know, unfortunate timing. My my mom and dad came down for about 10 days and watched me sit in the golf cart <laughs> while the games were going on. But, yeah, that explains that. But, um, you know, that was uh, another good experience there. That's basically like extended spring training, um, a lot of coaching um, one-on-one work there, so it was really, you know, kind of good for me because I didn't really get that the first year. I mean, it's just, you know, you're going to play games. You're showing up three and you're playing. Second year was more of, you know, learning how to play the game fundamentally. Well, 1986 to 1989, you're in the Florida State League for four straight years. So you're two years with Fort Myers, two with Baseball City. I'm assuming at some point in there, you probably felt like you weren't considered a prospect. You know, four years of that. You're, you, did you ever think about walking away from baseball? Did you feel like you weren't a prospect there for a while? Yes. The, the fourth year I went back, um, statistically, if I look back, you know, I had as good a year as any other outfield that, that moved up. Um, and I was there for the fourth year, and I, I don't think I played the first week. And um, I went in and talked with Lou Saverio and Ron Johnson, were my coaches there, and basically asked them why I should still be playing. And Lou Saverio says, you can play outfield better than anybody we have in the big leagues. Now, I don't know if that was completely true, but I bought into it at the time. And he really sold me on my defense. Um, so that was really enough for me to keep playing. And then soon after that, um, you know, my back started coming around. So I'm, you know, glad I listened to it. But yeah, I did have that conversation with them, and I was ready to, you know, head north if they just said probably anything different. Really? So you were that close to walking away? Yep. Yep. Interesting. Sure yep. So if yeah, Lucifera wouldn't have put that little thought in my mind, you know, about being a, an exceptional defensive player, I'd probably just went on home. Wow. Now, how about uh, from those years in particular, I think, with some of those, you know, maybe even going back further, but are there some golden travel stories from your minor league days, like, you know, bus breaks down, horrible hotels, any of those years stick out, any horrible stories or funny stories? Oh, there was one I probably shouldn't tell, but in AA, uh, (laughs) there was, I won't mention any names, but there was a gal there that would would bake cookies for us (laughs) when when we'd leave... uh, you know, Southern League, it was bus trips that were would not end. I mean, you would just get on a bus and drive and drive and drive. But anyway, this lady would make just a styrofoam cooler full of cookies. And uh, that would be kind of the last thing that went on the bus just before the, the bus pulled out of our apartment complex. And uh, I was struggling, hitting maybe a couple other guys. And this, this person that would make the cookies was complaining that, you know, Kozlowski shouldn't be in there, this and that, you know. Well, I got back to our manager, Jeff Cox. I mean, just before the bus, the bus is just starting to pull out. He's like, stop the bus, stop the bus. <laughs> so he takes that styrofoam cooler full of cookies, and it's, it's probably midnight. We're leaving 
and he puts it right in front of the bus so the headlights are shining on it. He stomped that <laughs> cooler full of cookies to smithereens right in front of this person. <laughs> like, oh, man. That's the way Coxie rolled a little bit. But, you know, it, it was uh, – yeah, Southern League was a lot, a lot of bus trips. Learned how to play uh, uh, spades. Uh, Tommy Dunbar taught me how to play spades in the back of the bus there. He was a really good spades player. By the time the season's over, I knew exactly what he was thinking. Could beat him. He'd get mad. Wouldn't play. <laughs> Uh, but really that's where a lot of bonding took place. And that 1990 team, we won the Southern League Championship. Uh, just a great, great group of guys with a lot of a lot of great experience. Kyle Reese was on the team. Uh, one one uh, story there real quick. His mom and dad lived in, in Georgia. We were playing in Greenville. So we bussed the whole team to his mom and dad's house, and she cooked a great Southern meal. And the bus broke down the way back to the park, and we were, you know, got there like 6.15 for a 7 o'clock game. But um, – just a lot of fun times, uh, a lot of hours on that bus, a lot of time to think and play cards and, and really get to know guys. You mentioned uh, Tommy Dunbar. What was he like? That's a guy that you know we obviously lost way too young. Yeah, Tommy was great. You know, he was uh, kind of like Crash Davis at the time. He was with us. I think the Royals signed him. He was a, a veteran player, had a few years' experience with the in the big leagues with the Rangers. And I think they just – they had him be a part of the team to coach us up and kind of mentor uh, us, but just a great, great guy. He would, you know, pinch hit, and he'd, he'd take about two minutes to get ready, you know, and, and he'd swing this weight about the dugout. Then, like, I bet nine times out of ten, he'd swing at the first pitch and just pop it straight at the catcher. Huh. <laughs> and that'd be it, you know. But a great guy, um, really helped keep us loose. He had a pretty pretty unique way of uh, of things on Sunday day games in Memphis, Tom would get completely naked and stand, he'd get everybody in the clubhouse, we'd sit down and he would he would read the lineup card from top to bottom and he'd have about a two or three minute something to say about everybody in the lineup and it was just hilarious, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> but you had to be there to witness you know, to see that. But uh he was great. Yeah, I've also heard great things about him. So, uh, so going back for a half step here to Baseball City. So you led the team in stolen bases, eighty-eight and eighty-nine. You had thirty-two and eighty-eight. You had forty-one and eighty-nine. So, I mean, that was a brand new complex, right? Eighty-eight, eighty-nine. What do you remember about uh, about Baseball City in particular when it first opened? Oh, uh, you know, nice stadium, nice place to play. Uh, the they actually had an amusement park there, mm-hmm. right behind the the stadium. So a lot of times we playing through the roller coaster, going this and that. Um, Remember, it was hot. We never got a rain out there because of this turf. And sometimes in the Florida State League, you're playing every day and it's 100 degrees. Like, man, when's it going to rain? Um, but that was a um, as, as far as a place to play, didn't get a lot of fans. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things in Central Florida for people to do. And going to Baseball City to watch a Class A ball game wasn't one of them. Yeah. So if there were 100 people in the stands, that was saying something. So it was a nice park to play at, but unfortunately not a lot of fan support there, um, which, you know, makes a fun play when there's people there yelling. Yeah, yeah. I guess you can hear everyone. Um, mm-hmm. So the amusement park portion of it, did you ever go over there much? What was that like? Oh, yeah. It was, a you know, kind of a mini Six Flags. Um, it had everything, roller coaster, uh, Ferris wheel, uh, the games, and it was it was well thought out, but I think there's too much competition around there for either SeaWorld was close by, Disney World. Um, so that, I think the park lasted probably four or five years. And then soon after that, you know, the, the Royals moved out of there. And I think that whole area now is just a uh, like a big industrial uh, like distribution center. There may be a mall there. Yeah, it is. Park mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind, of, mm-hmm. kind of sad in a way. Uh, yeah. Now, some other great players on that team. You had Brian McRae, Jeff Conine, Kevin Apier. Could you tell early on those guys were all going to be studs? Oh, yeah. You know, Kev was, uh, you know, had great velocity, great command, um, several pitches, uh, great competitor. Brian, the same way, played hard. And, you know, Jeff was probably the wild card out of all those guys. He came out of college really, you know, not as a hitter. Guy Hansen, you know, really drafted him, I think, for his athletic ability. Uh, Jeff pitched at UCLA, and guys said he had the straightest fastball he'd ever seen in his life. <laughs> but he thought he could hit, and uh, convinced the Royals to pick him. I think Jeff was a 57th or 58th round draft pick. 
um, couldn't straighten his arms because I think he played so much racquetball. But, you know, he was very, very competitive and, and played the game hard and a great student of the game, a very coachable guy. Um, and, you know, had a, had a great, great major league career. Yeah, and so in Memphis, you get there, uh, like we talked about a second ago, 1990. So you led the Southern League, 16 outfield assists in 1990. Then 91 was a huge year for you. So you repeated there again. You were a postseason Southern League all-star. You hit 324 with seven home runs, 867 OPS. You had 12 more outfield assists in like two-thirds of a season there in 91 as well. So what finally clicked for you that year in Memphis? Uh, my hitting, uh, and really my approach to hitting, and... Um, just from a mechanics standpoint, starting my, my body, my, my body, getting my body in motion sooner of my lower half, um, slowed the ball down and it allowed me to see the trajectory of the pitch, maybe more so than, you know, not as much the spin, but trajectory of breaking balls. And, you know, it's kind of like you, you figure out an algebra problem or a math problem, you're like, oh, there it is. And uh, it was literally a couple of bats in spring training. Um, we were playing playing the Astros, and I hit two sliders, line drives to left center gap, and I just felt something from a timing standpoint change there, and, and I, I was able to keep that. You know, really the, the next three or four years of my career, and... Um, you know, I went from really about last in the league and hitting in Southern League to first. And really, it was just that mechanical change of timing that helped me, um, you know, really complete my game more. I was, you know, a pretty good runner, great defender, but, you know, I hit 250 about every year. And then once I figured out the bat, then a year and a half later, you know, the Royals got serious about me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you finished out uh, 91 the last third of that year at AAA Omaha, 298 in 25 games. So less than a year later, then, you'd be in the big leagues. So, But even after your huge 91 then, and they, they did put you on the 40-man roster that winter, but if someone had told you that offseason going into 92 that you'd be in the big leagues the next season, would you have believed them? Yeah, I would have. I yeah. really felt like I was ready to go at that, at that point. And the thing that was holding me back was just like, you know, my bat. And I really felt like I'd, I'd kind of you know, found that last piece of the puzzle that gave me the confidence that, you know, I can play. Yeah, well, you I mean, things went good then. So you started 92 with Omaha, uh, 348 in April, two home runs, 13 RBIs. Then you put together a 13-game hitting streak from May 21st to June 3rd of that year as well. So you're hitting 314. The Royals call you up to KC for the first time. It's June 25th of 92. So take us back to that moment. You got that first call, the first news. You know, they call you in the clubhouse. Where were you at? How did you get that news, and, and what was that moment like? Well, I'll take you back to June 24th. I had just struck out for the eighth consecutive time. <laughs> and I was never a guy to snap, but enough was enough. I remember instead of dropping my bat into the bat rack, I just kept my bat with me and, ro- and walked into the clubhouse. And Dennis Moeller, a guy I played with, was in there getting a cup of coffee or whatever. And he's like, hey, cause. I'm like, Dennis, you need to get out of here. So he got this look on his face. And I took my bat and just, smashed this, you know, it was a bucket full of balls that we used for batting practice. I mean, balls were flying everywhere and just unloaded on that thing for probably a good two or three minutes. Walked back out with just the handle of my bat and threw my handle in the bat rack and sat down. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what happened after that, but uh, Jeff Cox called me. Jeff was our manager about 10.30 that night, and he said, hey, stick by the phone, and he basically just hung up. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I was packing a bag for, I think we're going to Buffalo the next day. And he called me back. Half hour later, he said, hey, man, you just about got called up to the big leagues, but they changed their mind. See you in the morning. I'm like, well, why even call me at all? <laughs> so then an hour later, he calls me back, said, hey, they changed their mind again. You're going up, playing the Yankees tomorrow. And uh, that was the – it was midnight. I remember – calling my mom and dad and tell them, tell them that news, and, man, it was hard to sleep. It was a, just a great experience. But, yeah, it was a, it was a phone call at the appointment. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the apartment, uh, after I just struck out for the eighth consecutive time <laughs> in AAA. So, 
I, that's impressive that they would you know overlook that, right? Eight in a row, just like whatever, we'll yeah. call them up. Yeah, I remember my my first at bat in the big leagues. I got O two like in a heartbeat. I'm like, man, it's following me. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> You're coming so, quick now. Yeah. So anyway, on the 25th, um, that was my wife's birthday. So I, you know, I really got called up on the 25th of June. That's my wife's birthday. So it was a pretty special. That's how I remember her birthday. I think I told you that before. Yeah, that'd be yeah. yeah. That'd be cool for her, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was pretty neat. So when you first got to KC, now what was it like for the first time walking into a big league clubhouse? And then uh, who were some of the Royals, some of your teammates that kind of took you into their wings when you first came up? Well, I remember my first, I mean, walking into the dugout in Kauffman Stadium where the fans, you know, the game was just about to start. I was not starting that game, but just noticing how the red stripes on the flag and the blue on the flag and the white just seemed a lot prettier than anything I'd ever seen. Um, and just the excitement there, it, it's kind of hard to describe, Dave, really, but, um, you know, like most players say, it's a dream come true, and it was, um, except you're not dreaming. Um, so it was a great experience. But guys on the team, George Brett was on the team, uh, Wally Joyner, Keith Miller, um, Mike Boddicker, and I'd say um, Keith Miller, Wally Joyner, and, and Mike Boddicker were really the guys that, for whatever reason, kind of, uh, you know, were, took me under their wing a little bit and coached me up. Yeah, those are some good guys. I like Keith Miller, by the way. That's a, that's a good name. You Ut- Utility yeah. guy. Yep. So I remember my first at bat um, a couple days later in Baltimore, walking up to the plate and uh, – he kind of stuck his finger in my back pocket, and he said, hey, just just keep doing what you've been doing. I'm thinking, damn, I just struck out eight times in a row. <laughs> and you get down 0-2, right? What happened when you got down 0-2? Um, yeah, I battled back, man. Uh, Jose Mesa was pitching, and I took some close pitches that, that weren't strikes, and thankfully they weren't called strikes, but it battled back at 3-2, and then uh, hit a line drive to Brady Anderson left field for my first, it was an out, but uh, my first big league at bat. Yeah, the first big league hit particular then, wasn't that uh, – so if I remember right, uh, you hit the ball close to a former teammate and it gets through for a hit from the minor leagues. Is that how it worked? Yeah. So, so my next time up, I hit kind of a two or three hopper between first and second and went into right field. And Cheeto Martinez, uh, who was my roommate in 1984 <laughs> in Eugene, the first year I played, fielded the ball. So just kind of another little uh, – you know, call it a God thing, whatever it is, but uh, – you know, little detail that never would have dreamed, dreamt of. Yeah, small world. And, and you did good then. I mean, three for five, a run and an RBI, you got to be feeling, hey, this big league thing's pretty easy, right, at that point? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Why'd they wait so long, man? I can hit up here. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah what a special day that was. Um, that was June 28th, so a few days after I got called up, and we won the game, I think, 9 or nine to 2, 7 to 2, something like that. And it got to be, you know, a part of helping the Royals Win a game in my first first chance at it, and you hit three fifty seven then for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know we're doing well, and then the Royals sent you back to Omaha on July fifteenth. I'm assuming somebody came back from the DL at that point. Yeah, Chris Gwynn, um, who got, he got hurt, I got called up. He came off the DL, um, so I went back, and I might have been in Omaha. I don't even think a week, and Chris got hurt again. Oh, when he came uh, back, went back up and spent the rest of the summer in Kansas City. So you were hitting 300 then as late as September 7th that year. You had a seven-game hitting streak, and your first big league home run, obviously very memorable, off Nolan Ryan at Texas on August 27th. Take us back to, to that bat and what you remember about facing Nolan in that home run. Yeah, we flew into uh, Arlington, and Hal McRae told me that I'd be playing the last game of the series and uh, check the pitching rotation, and I saw Nolan Ryan was up <laughs> for the last game, and that's really the first time I realized, man, I'm in the big leagues now, and I got got the butterflies, and uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, I, I just got really, really nervous, and um, you know, I had two days to two games until I got to that third game of the series, so I had a couple days just to kind of think about. It, and I don't think I played either of those first two games, but um, you know, I remember calling a good buddy of mine that I grew up with playing ball, and uh, told him. 
you know, what was about to happen. He's like, ah, you'll take him deep. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, he got up there uh, first at bat, and um, he threw a pitch, high strike. I swung and missed at it, and threw the second pitch in the same place I took it. And just before I got back in the box, a little voice in my head said, you know, get your foot down a little sooner. And so with that in mind, I stepped in, got my foot down a little bit sooner, and he threw the ball right down the middle and barreled it up. And as soon as I hit, I knew it was gone. Wow. Didn't hit many, but when I did hit him, I knew when I got him. Um, so, yeah, that, that's on, on YouTube. I've watched that a few times. <laughs> oh, i got to find that. I didn't know that's on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, you, yeah, know. It's, uh, you, can, you can learn about the 1992 Ford truck when you go watch that video. It's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't, I can't wait for all those features. Uh, yeah. Did you ever get that ball back, by the way? I did. Um, Al Newman was playing with the Rangers, wasn't in the game at the time. And the ball kind of hit um, off, off the, like, it kind of had, like, stadium bleachers in the in the right center field area there at Arlington, and the, and the ball kind of went down between the, the seats. Um, so he fished it out for me, and he got in the game later, and uh, I remember sliding into second base and, broke up a double play, and he, he landed, like, right in my back. I kind of let out a, a groan, and he's like, you're all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, hey, man, I got that ball for you. You owe me 100 bucks. I'm like, no problem. So <laughs> he was kidding. But he gave me the ball, uh, which, is, you know, it's it, I could walk you in my living room right now and point it right out to you. So <laughs> pretty cool. You owe me 100 yeah. bucks. That's a great line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else about that first summer in the big leagues? You know that sticks out about that '92 besides the hitting streak and the home run. What else? Anything else memory memory wise? Well, obviously for me that was the highlight of my career. Um, and kind of to tell you where I stood at the time, George Brett was on the team then, and they interviewed George about my home run. And uh, you know, George said that's a terrible way to start a career against a legend like Nolan Ryan. <laughs> you know, it's all down here, hill for cause. I think George had hit about 380 lifetime off of him and, and never hit a home run and, and never did during his career. Um, so he thought that was a pretty pretty poor way for me to start. <laughs> <laughs> but they came to the, the, the Rangers came to Kansas City the next week and uh, sent the ball over with one of the clubhouse boys. And, uh, you know, Nolan signed it. And uh, I've got it, you know, to this day. That's cool. What a, what a cool story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 93 then, the next year, had to be extremely difficult. So you're competing for the opening day roster in spring training. And then March 9th happens. You're diving for a ball. You hit a sprinkler head at Baseball City, which, of course, slowed you down. And uh, I guess I think you just played through it, right? Later on, you spent time in the DL. But how frustrating was that? Yeah, well, I, well, I finished that game. Um, I remember it was a, we were playing the Astros in Tuffy Rhodes. Remember Carl? Tuffy oh, yeah. Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Hit a ball in the, in the left center gap, and I dove and caught it, kind of jarred it into the ground with my knees and spun around just slammed my left shoulder into the ground and right on a you know a sprinkler head that's no bigger than a silver dollar but right in the rotator cuff and I think the game was about over eighth or ninth inning then and uh, finished the game but the next morning I couldn't lift my arm and I missed the whole the whole rest of spring training um, I know it was pretty short in at the time but I, you know I was hitting over 300 feeling really good coming off a pretty good 1992 season but, you know, things happen, and that was pretty bad timing. But, um, yeah, I went back to AAA, started playing, never really felt like it was healed and hit about, I don't know, maybe 200 and spent, it, spent maybe four or five weeks on the deal after that, came back strong after that. Yeah, you were voted the best defensive outfielder in the American Association that year in 93. And I mean, how nice did it feel to get that call back to KC after after basically a full season at AAA? It had to been just amazing, right? Yeah, it was, it was great. You know, um, it was a September call-up, but, you know, at that point I'm taking anything I could get, any any experience I could get, any opportunities I could get, you know, just trying to prove my worthiness of being able to play there and being able to stay there. So that's really what was the difficult part for me, I mean, it was one thing getting to the big leagues, and it was another thing trying to stay in the big leagues. I mean, it was equally challenging. Um, where some some players get to the big leagues, they've you know they they're more everyday players. I was a backup outfielder. I was five foot eight, so I had to do a lot of things right with the opportunities that I got, um, just to prove I could play there. 
Well, you had a couple huge moments that September. Uh, one was a game-winning 10th inning home run off Roger Smithberg at Oakland September 22nd. You remember, you remember that, A.B., pretty well? Yeah, I do, because I didn't know I was hitting. <laughs> I went in to play defense. Um, it was actually a, a, a double switch uh, that Hal had done, and I didn't know it. So I, we come in. Uh, they had tied the game uh, in the bottom of that inning, and I'm sitting on the bench, and I hear, hey, where's Kaz at? I'm like, I'm right here. He's like, you're hitting. So I went up and took the first pitch and hit the second out of the park. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so I think if I went out there and played defense, knowing I was leading off, I'd probably nerved up a little bit. But, yeah. Um, and I remember going into the, the park there, Oakland Coliseum, and uh, uh, Jamie Quirk says, man, it takes a man to hit it out of here at nighttime so that it'll fly during the day. So it was a night game. I hit it out, and Jamie's like, man. Pretty impressive. I'm like, well, threw it right where I was swinging, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Just how you drew it up. Uh, now, yeah. you, you mentioned a bit earlier George Brett's last game, and you know, seeing the lineup card in the Royals Hall of Fame leading off. What you didn't mention is that uh, you had the game winning hit in that game, September 29th, against Cleveland. How special was that? And then also talk about what it was like playing with George. Oh, man, that was, that was a great night. There were 40,000 people there. And, you know, when I was with the Royals, I think third place was the highest the team had. It finished, um, so we're not selling it out every night. But that night was sold out, and uh, I'd never really seen it that packed and that loud. Um, but that game was against Cleveland, and I believe where we we were tied in the bottom of the eighth inning, um, and George hit a double, I think, with two outs, and Hal took him out of the game. And you know, I'm thinking, holy cow, he's taking George out of the game. And, I mean, it was just nothing but boo. You know, it was like, boo, the first he's come out of the game, and I realized, hey, this is George's last time coming <laughs> off the field here. So everybody started cheering. Um, and then the bottom of the inning, I got a hit to win the game before George's spot would have came up again. So how, you know, basically said I saved his job by getting that hit. Um, <laughs> George's spot would have came up, and George wouldn't have been there. It would have been a little bit different story. Um but that was, you know, an, obviously a, a great night for me for me to be a part of, um, and then have a, an opportunity to, you know, get a hit to win that game was pretty cool. And you know, playing with George, I've, I've always thought there was players in the big leagues that, you know, that if there were a higher league than the big league, they'd be in it. And he he'd been one of those guys, but just a a classy guy, um, a very 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 funny guy. I think of. Um, you know, George has a sense of humor like Bill Murray. Huh. Uh, can be kind of dry at times, but, you know, the more you get to know him and, you know, kind of where he's coming from, he just he just does some funny stuff. So, he obviously, he kept, kept guys loose. And uh, from the way he played the game, prepared to play the game, man, he, he was very, um, you know, he was aware his body was 40, and he, he, he did what? everything he could to get on the field and compete, you know, at, at, at the highest level, you know, he was used to. And he did a great job of that for a lot of years. Yeah. Well, the next year, uh, 1994. So the Royals came damn close to, to making the playoffs that year, actually, after a 14-game winning streak before the strike. Now, you only appeared in, in two games that year at the big league level on April 10th and 12th, but you did make the opening day roster. So how special was that for you? training very confident had a good spring and uh that spring in kansas city um, and in the midwest it was really really wet and we got rained out a lot and there were scheduled off days and i, I think it probably had been up 30 or 40 days and played twice and we had a a couple double headers coming up and, and the royals needed pitching and i was the guy to go so i made the team in 94 and, you know, had four bats in, in 40 days. So the opportunity I, that I thought was, you know, just what I needed just didn't pan out, just didn't get on the field, and, um, you know, got sent down. And and that was really, uh, that was the last two games I played in Kansas City as a Royal. 
Yeah, well, it was, it was a weird year because you get back to to Omaha, and then eventually the Royals are you know on that big winning streak, and things are looking good at the big leagues, and then there's you know a strike. What do you remember about the whole strike process? Did, were you pretty sure that that was probably going to happen, and, and do you feel like you might have gotten a September call up had it not? Um, I was pretty sure it was going to happen, and no, I wasn't going to get a call up. Um, that year, I was in just a mental funk. I really never got over getting sent down. I mean, there was, there was a lot of disappointment there, and I drug that to Omaha with me. And, and you know, no, I was, I think, ready at that point, Dave, to, to move on because I felt the organization was, was, you know, done with me. I spent 11 years um, with the Royals, and you know, a lot of good young guys coming up. Um, you know, Michael Tucker was playing then. Um, um, Carlos Beltran. Yep. was in the mix coming up then. So, you know, I kind of see the writing on the wall. But, you know, that that disappointment of getting sent down, really, I don't really think I ever got over that. I played a few more years, but that was kind of something that took a lot of wind out of my sails. Man. Well, now, four years in Omaha. I wanted to ask you about that real quick. How would you like Rosenblatt Stadium? Rest in peace. And then did you ever make it over to the zoo very much? Oh, I love Rosenblatt. It was a uh, pretty small park when I was playing there, um, so hitter hitter friendly. Um, the wind blew out like that. Um, good league, and yes, went to the zoo a few times. Uh, Henry Durley. Yeah. And we been been there. We went to we went to Omaha the the last year of Old Rosenblatt Stadium for the World Series, and uh, you know got to visit the friends there. Went back to the zoo and kind of rehashed some old memories there. I bought some of those uh, some old Rosenblatt chairs from the Zoo Foundation. It's a tax write-off, so that was kind of cool. I got yeah, some the yellow go. chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty seating, but uh, yeah, obviously a park with some great history there. Yeah, yeah. Well, so following '94, like we talked about, so the Royals released you. You became a free agent. Uh, you know, do you remember anything about that day, that moment? I mean, was it was just something you knew was going to happen. It wasn't a huge deal, or what was it like? Yeah, I, I, I felt relieved. I think that call came like the first or second week of. Maybe or maybe before then, but yeah, I just felt like I was ready to start over with another organization, and uh, you know, I kind of jokingly told my wife I'd, I'd sign with anybody but the Milwaukee Brewers, and the <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers were the only team that called me. And the reason I said that, I mean, and no knock on uh, no knock on New Orleans, but at the time they they played at the College Park there, and it was hotter than Hades, and uh, yeah, I just couldn't see myself playing another year in AAA there, but I did four <laughs> years, and uh, it, it tended to work out. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So they, they signed me and spent a couple years in the Brewers organization and got back to the big leagues with them. Yeah, 96. 20, what, 25 games, yeah, 1996. You know, we're, who were some of your favorite Milwaukee teammates and, uh, you know, any fun memories of your of your times up there and with them? Yeah, uh, Kevin Seitzer was on the club there. Uh, uh, trying to think, John Jaha. Um, Scott Carl, pitcher, some guys that I played with or against in the minor leagues rep. Mike Matheny was on the team. Um, it was a great group of guys. Played played very hard. Um, so my experiences there in Milwaukee were short-lived, but from a, a team perspective, they really made me feel part of that team um, and still have some good relationships with those guys. I just saw Mike Matheny a, a couple weeks ago in uh, Springfield, spent some time with him. Uh, before spring training started uh, recently, and um, you know, just I liked Milwaukee. It was very similar to Kansas City. You know, small market team, uh, great fan base, and yeah, wouldn't trade that experience for anything. So after '96, then you signed with uh, with your childhood team, the Cardinals, uh, and spent your final season there in pro ball at AAA Louisville in 1997. At, at what point during that year did you know it be your last? Did you know that it wasn't until after the year? Or did you pretty much know that was it during the season? No, in the middle of the year, I, I played the first couple months about every day and, and was doing okay, average wise, not too too great, but playing good defense and hit a few home runs. Um, they called up a young kid from Double A, Scarborough Green, and yep. he played center field, and I.
after I got out of the clubhouse, she says, did you just retire? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> so that was kind of the end of that. You know, I look back now, and I, I may have played one or two years too long, um, but, you know, I wouldn't have changed that. I just had to be sure that, that baseball was all out of me. I didn't want to stop playing and then, you know, the next summer, you know, be wishing I was still out there. And that wasn't the case. So I was very much at peace with my decision when I made it. And, you know, to this day, I've never I've never regretted it. Kind of just hanging it up after that season. That's good. So you you just full peace in your heart? No, no regrets when you walked away? Everything was good? Yep, it was good. The Cleveland Indians called me to come to spring training um, in 98. And I had told Michelle, uh, and really, you know, being honest myself, I would continue playing as long as I felt like I had an opportunity to play in the big leagues. They were stacked at that time in AAA and the big leagues, and I just, you know, like that's not the opportunity I was looking for. So, yeah, I told them thanks, but no thanks, and that was officially it. That was it. Have you ever thought about, uh, you know, coming back when your kids get older or something as a professional coach, or are you not really all about the traveling and happy with where you're at? Yeah, I'd love to, but the travel would prevent me from doing that. Um, I'd love to be doing it right now, but, I mean, there's you know, my kids are more important. Being, spending time with them. Um, you know, they're growing up fast, I can see now. And, um, you know, it, a lot of my, my buddies that, were, that I played with are coaching, and, you know, they're just gone a lot. And that's not something I wanted to sign up for. Um, so by the time my kids are kind of trying to figure it out for themselves, I'll, I'll be maybe too old <laughs> to be considered, a, a, you know, a coach. But I, I throw some pretty good BP, Dave, I'll have to tell you that. Um, <laughs> And I do coach uh, a team in the summertime of 18 new kids, and we will travel around the Midwest, uh, Decatur Commodores. Uh, we host a tournament in June, and actually a, a lot of former big leaguers have come to Decatur and, and brought their teams, Brian McRae, Rod Myers, yeah. uh, Scott Cooper, Matt Whiteside. Um, so we've got a pretty good thing going here locally in central Illinois that really, you know, I'm doing baseball 10 months out of the year right now. I do individual hitting lessons from from November through April. And then we'll start our teams playing in late May, and that will end the end of July. And in addition to that, my kids are also playing too. So we're on a baseball field a lot in the summertime. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm involved enough in the coaching aspect and, you know, trying to give back to younger players um, that it, it really kind of, satisfies my desire um you know i feel like i'm still playing sometimes you know still involved as much now as i ever was um so i don't have those days where i'm man i wish i was coaching the big leagues or playing the big leagues i'm doing enough baseball every day here yeah well i guess i want to come back and finish our last few questions here uh you know back in kc then so when you look back to your times as a royal uh favorite overall memories when you sit here and think about that right now Oh, my favorite favorite memories, um, you know, obviously hitting a home run, first at bat against Nolan Ryan, um, that's pretty tough to beat there. But, you know, really I think, you know, I want to toot my own horn, but I really think I did a pretty good job of both offensively and defensively with the opportunities I got in Kansas City. I had some pretty big hits in some not-so-pretty big games. I mean, just some regular season games, but, I mean, to me at the time that was, you know, it was huge. Um, you know, game-winning hits, big hits, making some plays in the field, and, you know, holding my own. So I've got no, you know, nothing but, but good memories uh, about Kansas City. You know, there were times where it wasn't so easy that I struggled, and those are learning times too. But, um, you know, just being able to say, you know, I, I, I did it. I played with some, some pretty special players against some pretty special players. You know, uh, I went to the Hall of Fame induction and, and got to see George Brett, um, who I played with. Got to see Nolan Ryan, who I hit my first home run against. Got to see Robin Young, who's my coach in the Brewers, all go in the Hall of Fame um, at the same time. So, you know, it's all good, man. Um, I wish it lasted a little bit longer, but it didn't. But it happened. And it's, it's you know, to this day, a pretty special time in my life to think back on. Which uh, which part of KC did you live in? Do you remember? And then were there any favorite hot spots that you and your wife liked around here? Uh, Overland Park and 
you know, obviously the barbecue places, I couldn't think of any in particular about all of them. Um, but yeah, there, there's one run, kind of a pub, had great cheeseburgers, can't remember the name of it either. But uh, yeah, we lived in Overland Park, about 20 minutes from the park. And uh, we stayed there in Overland at a hotel last uh, September when we were there. So it brought back a lot of memories, you know, taking interstate to the park and, and uh, you know, going back in time. Yeah. Do you, which which of your former teammates do you still uh, stay in touch with from the Royals? Probably Brian McRae the most. Um, Jeff Conine, Brent Maine, and I will occasionally have a conversation. I always tell Brent I, I call him about once a year. Kind of pops in my head out of out of the blue, and we'll we'll chat and catch up. Um, George Padre, who was a player in the minor leagues, I played with a lot, and uh, Mark Parnell, a minor league player. Um, you know, those are those are my pals for life, and uh, it's pretty cool when you pick the phone up and call somebody like Kyle Reese you haven't spoke, spoken with in a while and you just have a conversation like you just got off the bus with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. With without, without cookies being stumped on that time, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, I guess last thing for you is, uh, you know, in summary, what would you like to say to Royals fans listening right now? Oh, it's a great time to be a Royals fan. You know, it always has been. There's more exciting times than others, but you know, that we were out there in September and I go to a lot of Cardinals games and it is night and day difference between the noise that comes out of that Royal Stadium compared to Bush Stadium. No knock on the Cardinal fans, but the fans there rock it. Um, so it's a very exciting time there. And, and, you know, coming off a World Series win, obviously it's, it's tough to defend that, to go three times in a row, tough to do. A lot has to go right. But, man, the way they play the game, and they've got a pretty, pretty good core group of of players there that know how to play the game. And, you know, the thing that they've got now that they didn't have, they know how to win games um, and really expect to win games. And, um, you know, it's fun to watch. So I can't wait for the season to get going. And I would like to say this last thing, you know, we went out there last September really to have an opportunity for my family or my kids to meet Art Stewart and Art, unfortunately, was out of town the weekend we were there in September. So I was so happy for Art uh, to be a part of that World Series win. I mean, he's been there longer than anybody um, since day one with the Royals. So hopefully they can do it again for him this year. Yeah, maybe when you make it back down next time, you can uh, catch up with him then. Yeah, love it, love that. Yeah, it's good catching up with you, too. Yeah, you as well, man. Hopefully it won't be another <laughs> another 10 years. But, uh, yeah, th- yeah, thanks for all your time and, uh, you know, for all that you gave to the Royals organization. And I'm glad to hear you're doing well and the family's doing well and you're still involved right. with baseball. And uh, here's to another World Series, and uh, hopefully we'll meet up yep. here uh, for, for lunch one of these days. Here, here. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, take care.